Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17 is our, our portion we're going to tackle today. It's only three verses, so it should only take us two hours. I'm going to read, then pray. Let's try that this morning. I'll mix it up for the 11 o'clock and the 6, but let's do it that way. It says, then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. This scene is so special to me. Then they brought infants to him. This word infants can be translated any age group below 13. It could be babies, toddlers, little kiddos, adolescents. Anywhere above 13 would be a young woman in those days. So we don't know if this was a bunch of babies, toddlers, or kids. I like to look at this as a VBS happening there, right, with Jesus Christ leading it. And they bring all their kiddos for him to touch them. This was customary in those days for a rabbi to lay his hands upon the kids and pronounce blessings upon them. It's what happened back in those days. As they bring these youths to the Lord to bless him, it says that the disciples saw it and they rebuked them. They, oh, oh he, didn't have, he doesn't have time for that. This makes sense to me. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's got a few more weeks before he dies. He's dealing with lepers and critics and friends, fans, and foes. He's got crowds everywhere and a bunch of parents saying, hey, can you bless our kids? Ah, no, not right now. He's, he's not available. And while they're saying he's not available, verse 16, but Jesus called them to him. This was like a... A Kodak moment right here. You know, Jesus says, bring the kids to me like Santa Claus. Bring them over here. Let the children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. So impactful was this story, this scene, this event that Matthew includes it as well. Mark also adds a few more verses and color and description to this story. Luke, the doctor, the physician, the historian, includes this story. John, the only writer writing a new, different type of epistle, doctrine, gospel, doesn't include this. Three out of four said, this was so crazy. This didn't make any sense. This changed our lives, the way Jesus loved on kids and then turned it into a teachable moment, asking us to now love him as the kids loved him. It's a twofold message. How God looks at kiddos and how we as adults here, grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads, singles and marries, ought to look at kiddos. And then not only how we look at kids and how God looks at kids, but how the kids looked to him. And Jesus says this finally in verse 17, why this was so important. He said, assuredly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. He says, let me receive the kids because that's what heaven's all about. And I want y'all to receive the kingdom of heaven like little kids, because that's what the kingdom of God is all about. And this message, I'm going to do my best to put some meat now to this framework, that we would understand how important it is to be leaders in our day to the kiddos, to anybody younger than you, to our youth, to advocate and to fight for those who can't advocate and fight for themselves, and also that we who are old and crusty Anybody old and crusty here this morning? Just point to the person next to you. I'm sitting next to one of them. Isn't it true, though? Are you older and crustier than you were when you were born? And some of you are proud of yourselves for that. And Jesus says, you know what? I like, I like kids. Kids are crazy. Kids have a different way of receiving the truth. Kids don't demand explanations. Instead, they just enjoy the reality. You and I, we tend to just, I can't enjoy God's promises until he explains them to me. And I, I don't know if I can wrap my mind, my intellectual prowess around that. <laughs> this morning, I was sitting next to my seven-year-old daughter, Acacia. Let me actually say it better. She was sitting next to me. Because in Sunday mornings, I don't like to sit next to anybody. And so she sat next to me as a little girl, and she, wouldn't, she couldn't get close enough. I was like, what are you doing? You know, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to study, and she just was sitting. Anyways, she's reading her storybook Bible, and she's reading through, and she's asking about Lot's wife. She literally asked about Lot's wife. She said, why did she look back? I said, that, glad you asked. Let's talk about it. And then she kept flipping through, and she got to the story of the Exodus being delivered from, from Egypt. And she was looking at the story of the crossing of the Red Sea, and she said, hey, Dad. And she pointed at the picture. She goes, if I was walking through there, I would have reached out and touched the wall of water. <laughs> and I thought, 
I know you would. Of course you would. And I hope there were some in the crew that did also. I hope there were some adults like, I'm going to touch that water. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But how many of you in this room here hear that story and you just think physiologically and the laws of physics and, you know, I don't know if that would even happen. You know, it must have been some other thing. It must have been, you know, shallow water. So my daughter, I'm touching that wall of water. That's crazy. And here Jesus in this opportunity to both bless kids to, to love them because he did love them, but also to use them as a teachable moment for the bigger kids, the disciples who are all business. Well, we don't have time for that today. And if you're like me, you need to be reminded of this often, that the Lord loves a cheerful heart. He loves faith. He loves us when we have the same joy that he has for us. And so he gives us this story that is most impactful to the disciples that they included for us to study at this time in Jesus' life as he marches toward the cross. I could have imagined this story been inserted or happened chronologically earlier in Jesus' life when the pressure wasn't on, when the heat wasn't up, when things weren't about to explode. Hey, just like you and I who are parents or maybe grandparents or aunts or uncles, there's times where it's easier to your kids and minister and be available when everything's going great, but when things are hot and heavy, not now, children, we're doing stuff. And how many of you guys are real important people here this morning? You got real important stuff to do on your phones later today, real important stuff to do with the TV later tonight, real important stuff, adult stuff. I'm ashamed. I just got a message from my phone. I updated my phone recently, and it just sent me a message right before I came up here, and it said, hey, your screen time usage is down by 11%. It's down to a total average of six hours per day. Whoops. What in the world am I doing on my phone six hours per day? So I'm going to work on that. You guys can ask me next week. How are you doing, Pastor Luke? What's so busy about your life? And Jesus here says, I'm not too busy for the kids. And it's a picture of heaven towards you and towards me. How does the Lord love you this morning? Is he too busy for you? Oh, yeah, I'm just totally busy. Got so much going on. I'm just going to grind it out. I'm going to figure it out myself. How many of you guys look at your kids just wanting them not to include you in their lives and not lean on you and not ask for help and just figure it out and go? As a younger parent with younger kids, you want to teach them how to walk and how to ride a bike. I remember I was trying to teach Nemo how to ride the tricycle and just couldn't do it. So I finally just took some electrical tape and taped his feet to the pedals. It was brilliant. His feet would keep slipping off and he'd look at me like it was my fault. I was like, I'll help. I'll make those never slip off again, bro. A few tears later, he knew how to ride that thing. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for your word. We've read it. We're going to study it now. And I truly believe that it is your heart for kids, not just little kids, but for your children. We just sang that song. We are children of God. And I believe that there's some crusty Christians here, maybe some stoic Christians, maybe some bitter Christians, super smart Christians whatever the case is. And Lord, coming off the story of the Pharisee who wouldn't humble himself and, and the tax collector who beat his breast and wouldn't even look up, and he received grace. And now we see Jesus, you saying, you must receive the kingdom of heaven like kids. Lord, I pray for help in doing that, for being that, for walking in that in Jesus' name. For myself and for my friends here, your kids. And I also pray, Lord, as we study at the beginning of this message, the importance of us advocating for kids and reaching out and being those like Jesus in his day when child care and the value of children wasn't where it is today. I pray, Lord, that we would have application in our own lives for how you'd want us to live. Most of all, I pray for Holy Spirit, you to do whatever you want to do today, to touch hearts and minds, to knit people together, to do for us, Lord, what you deem as best because father knows best we love you so much i commit myself to you lord asking for a blessing during this time on your teaching lord through your word in jesus name and everybody said 
Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, this portion of scripture, again, is fascinating to me. It's one of those scenes that was so special to the disciples that they never forgot it. They wrote it down. They meditated on it. They knew others needed to look into it as well. This scene of young people coming to Jesus and how he blessed them and then instructed others to come to him the same way they did. How do little kids come to Jesus? Snot coming down their nose, sticky hands, fudge sickle stains. At least you think it's fudge sickle. You don't know, you know. <laughs> Yesterday I had a doubleheader with my U8 shark soccer team, you know. And it was hot, hot for us coast kids. They were falling apart. And, and I was kind of getting lazy as a coach. I would stop blowing the whistle and they're over there playing around. And, and at one point I just got on my knees and said, sharks, come here, come here, come here. And I just sat there and just looked at all of these grubby little kids. And it was so fun because I was just kind of losing my mind a little bit. Sunstroke was setting in, you know, and, and they were all just talk, talk. They were getting so close to my face. I was like, wow, you know, this is, it was just bizarre, you know. And they all wanted, can I be a goalie? Can I do this? Can I do that? Where's snack time? Is this over yet? You know, and, all these, and I was just so blessed to be in their presence and just thinking. I remember my coach as a little kid, Jim Smallage Motors, Bend, Oregon, age seven. And I remember one day I was at practice, and my mom was a little bit late, like two minutes late, and this is before cell phones and pagers and all kinds of communication, and so my world collapsed, and I began to cry, you know, and all the rest, and she showed up late because she was at Taco Bell getting me some Taco Supremes, you know, and so it was awesome, and I remember this coach just hanging with me and being there, it's going to be all right, dude, quit crying, man, they're going to think I hurt you, you know, and there's these scenes that get imprinted into our mind. You guys remember being a kid? Kids are something else. And yet we get busy. We freak out. We forget what it's like to be a kid. As a matter of fact, there's an urgency at times for our kids to grow up and just figure it out. And if you've talked to any parents that have empty nests now, they're like, dude, slow it down. Slow it down. Blink of an eye. As Shelly Moore came out, she was the first one out the door yesterday. Me and Mark Moore, her son, were standing there, you know, all epic. And she walked up the door and just started crying. This is her son's wedding. What a special day. And yet, wouldn't she, if she could, put Mark Moore Jr. in a diaper and hold him if she could, you know, as a little boy again. I just want to hold them and snuggle them. And this scene was so impacting because when we see kids and when we understand what's going on, at times our hearts are softened. I remember about three or four years ago, Pastor Bo and I traveled up to OHSU, and we were up there praying for a young man named Caleb, and he was fighting cancer, his Mom lives in Otis, Ingrid, and, and, and Caleb has since died and gone to heaven. He was a teenager, about 17 or so, I believe. And we were up there praying for him, and it was just so, such a struggle, and he was gurgling and <gasps> breathing, and it was, it, was, it was difficult. But I remember something else. But when I were leaving OHSU, their children's level, and we were walking down this hallway, and I just was broken. I looked up before we hit the elevator, and there was a door open to this room. And there was this little girl i got to stop thinking about it. I don't want to cry. And I, so I looked in, and she was sitting on her bed all by herself. She's about 35 pounds or so watching TV. And her room was decorated in such a way it's as if she lived there. This was where she's been. And as I just walked by and saw that she was by herself watching TV, no one was there, not one person in the room, and I just burst into tears, weeping, brokenness for, for, for kids. And I, I'll never forget that scene because i got little kids that were waiting for me at home. They're with parents and care and health. And this scene impacted these guys. Now, here's the deal. I want you to know the setting. This happened, what I just read to you, in the days when Rome ruled the world. And when Rome ruled the world, things weren't very good. They, they had a couple things that were prevalent in their day. Number one was abortion. It was crude. It was barbaric. It ended in death often, uh, not just for one, but sometimes for two. They not just had abortion in that day. They also had abandonment. People would leave their kids behind. Women, especially little girls, weren't valued. If you had a little girl, they didn't want those around. And there was abandonment, and which led to abuse. If you guys know anything historically about the days of ancient Rome, it was bad. Kids were not valued as they are today. Uh, they would actually just throw their unwanted kids in the trash heap, in the dump. Other people would come along and grab those kids and raise them and abuse them, sell them as slaves. And... There was this abuse cycle in those days that was prevalent. And for Jesus to do what he did and to say what he said was very important in telling the way that we should look at children. We should fight for children. 
Can you imagine in that day? Now, the Jewish culture was different than the Roman culture. They did have value for families, but nonetheless, it was falling apart all around. And Jesus, and the disciples are doing their job. They're like, hey, we don't got time for that. And Jesus is like, we got time for that. Bring them to me. I need you to understand, kids are not less valuable. Kids are not unimportant. Kids are amazing. And yet, if you're honest here, you got busy stuff to do, and kids are kind of an inconvenience at times because of your important day, because of who you are. And I think Jesus wants that to be rattled. We tend to have a high value of kids uh, for children these days, don't we? I I think that we value children a lot more in today's culture. I would actually go so far as to say that children have more offered to them right now than ever before than I'm aware of. Would you agree? Do you remember when you were a kid, you used to dream about being able to take a TV in your car for road trips. Remember that? That road trip to North Dakota would have been so much better if we could just have a TV. I just used to sit there and like stare out the, the windows at these corn stalks and these silos and like, where am I? You know, take me now. And, and now kids have TVs, not just in cars, but in their pockets. It's crazy. Things are better now. And you would actually think they're better, but if you're honest, they're not. They're better in some ways. I talked to a person recently about the world and how it's improving. They were, they, were, they were convinced that the world was not getting worse, but was getting better. I said, the only thing getting better is the speed of internet. Just so you know, the only thing getting better is technology, okay, and sports teams and stats. It's the only thing getting better. In our world, it is falling apart rapidly. It is crushing itself. And we can be deceived because technology and, and the cost of living, actually, that's gone up. Wrong, wrong illustration, but because of what we have in our houses, do you ever look around your house and be like, no way, I have so much stuff, yet in reality, there is an undercurrent of darkness, the world around us, and Jesus here, knowing what the culture was up to, said, let the kids come to me, don't forbid them, bring them to me, so let's not be deceived, I believe that our kids have a lot going for them, but they also have a lot going against them, I'm going to give you some stats, I don't intend to offend anyone, or maybe I do, Uh, But in America, by the end of the year, right after Christmas, uh, 1.5 million babies will have been aborted in 2018, their lives taken from themselves uh, in utero. That's 4,000 babies a day in in America alone. That's 167 babies per hour. So through the duration of our services, just under 1,000 babies. That's three babies per minute in America every day, all year long. Globally, it skyrockets. 125,000 babies are murdered every day. It's 5,000 an hour. When you think about it, this happens inside a mom's belly, which to me is a very sacred place. It's a very safe place. Probably the safest place you could be. I mean, you're hidden away. You're tucked away. I need to point this out. One and a half percent of abortions on record, at least reportedly so, uh, happen because of unwanted pregnancies due to rape or incest. One and a half percent. That's 98.5 percent of unwanted pregnancies happen because of what I would call selfishness, sin, and inconvenience. Okay, this was happening then, maybe not to those numbers, but it was happening. And again, I don't want to stay on that topic too long, but I need you to consider what the Lord's heart is. Kids today worldwide are being trafficked, abused, sold. Did you know that the number one growing crime in the world is sex trafficking? Of all the crimes that could be growing right now, identity theft and cyberbully, all that, sex trafficking is the one that's growing the most. Last month, you might have read the news story that circulated recently in September. Wayne County, Michigan, they recovered 123 missing children in one day. They won in the major sweep. 123 kids. The FBI swept out. They had all these leads. They found 123 kids in one county that were missing, abducted. Of the 123 missing, 178 are still unaccounted for. Every 10 seconds in America, a report of child abuse is made. Every 10 seconds, a report is made. Can you imagine how many reports aren't made? If only... Those strong enough to reach out. 40% of kids today aren't raised by two parents, but instead only one. They've been abandoned by their fathers primarily, sometimes mothers. Lincoln County, let's make it uh, personal, we have 8,000 children under the age of 18. Uh, Just over 1,000 of those 8,000 identify as homeless or not having a secure living situation. One-eighth of our kids are in duress here in Lincoln County alone. 
I had anticipated today playing a video, which we'll wait for a few more uh, weeks to put together, um, celebrating a ministry that's starting here in Lincoln County, helping to take care of and advocate for our youth that are falling through the cracks. DHS does as much as they possibly can do for families that are falling apart, and there's a new ministry we're going to adopt here at South Beach Church, along with the other churches, that's going to help to ease the burden of families that are falling apart. I'm super excited. Stay tuned for that. Last year here in Lincoln County, there were 1,200 reports of abuse or neglect among the youth. And again, for every report, how many instances were not reported? And this is a very important subject in our day. It was a very important subject in Rome's day. And in this setting where Rome was upside down, Jesus demonstrates how he feels about kids. Now, Jesus brings great light and value and worth upon kids. He does that because Jesus understands the full spectrum. Remember, Jesus was born as a baby. Remember when Jesus was born as a baby, Herod then killed thousands and thousands of baby boys because of his birth trying to kill him. Jesus made it through that. He escaped to Egypt and came back as a young boy. Jesus understands. He was born as a baby and cared for as a baby by a single mom who got married to Joseph. And Joseph took her as her own and as his own. And Jesus can relate to kids. And kids, I believe, can relate to Jesus because Jesus is relatable. Now, let me just make sure I'm talking to the right crowd here. How many of you guys grew up uh, here? Uh, before you grew up, you were a kid. Raise your hand if you were a kid. You remember? Do you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, calm down. You're over here. I'm an adult. <laughs> okay. Do you remember being a kid? Now, let me ask another question. How many of you guys still uh, feel like a kid? Isn't that weird? Okay, last question. How, how many of you guys still act like a kid? That's why you're at South Beach Church. I'm just letting you know, like, woo, welcome to the carnival. Welcome to the carnival. Uh, and I feel like a kid sometimes. I look, I'm like, what, 40? How did that happen? I truly feel like a little kid. And I actually remember being a kid. I remember the good, the bad, and the ugly. I remember it all. I, just, I remember it. And it gives me a great empathy, and I believe an advantage to some of these kids, my own kids in particular, if I would put my phone down, if I would give them the attention they need, or if I would coach or be active in Sunday school right now is the... There's Sunday school workers with your kids. If we would do that and remember, what was it like? I remember Sunday school workers growing up in my life. I remember them reaching out to me. I remember them making me feel comfortable and welcome. I also remember going to Sunday school at times and not receiving that. Cold, sterile, isolated, weird. I remember those times. What can we do as adults to remember what it's like being a kid? Like Jesus knew what it was like to be a kid and to see kids smile at him. I, 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 I think, I'm not sure, but I think I might be a little intimidating in, in appearance from time to time. I'm not sure. But, but I love people, and I love kids, and so when I'm at the grocery store, I'll see little kids staring at me like I'm just like I'm a, like I'm a buffalo or something, you know? <laughs> and so I'll just, I'll just stare back at these kids, you know, and just smile at them and make, you know, faces at them, and, and I'm trying to make them, sometimes they cry, you know, and I move on. <laughs> wasn't me, but I'm just trying to help this, these kids at the grocery store. They're at Magic Land, you know, and they saw a buffalo in the grocery store, you know, and, Jesus loves kids, and for two major reasons, which I've already helped you to understand, this shows us about Jesus and his love for kids, and then that how, how that translates into how he loves us. Of all the titles that God could have chosen for himself, he chose primarily to use the title Father. He could have chosen anything, warrior, imperial dictator, you know, superior commander. He said, why don't you guys call me Father? I'm your Father. And if you're not careful you'll accidentally look at God as imperial dictator, superior commander. You won't look at him as father. And so Jesus says, I gotta, I gotta show you guys what heaven is like. And, and he illustrates this for us. He loves them. And I would encourage you, if you're looking for some takeaway, which you should always look for takeaway in a Bible study, what, what did I take away from this? How does this apply to me? How do you let the Lord love you? Do you let, do you let him call you to himself? Do you allow yourself to crawl up on his lap to get near to him, or is that way too crazy? I, I got to you know, bow before him, and oh, precious father, you know. These kids had fudge-sickle stains on them, sticky hands, okay, gummy bears stuck to their hair. And the disciples were like, we're not doing that today, and Jesus was like, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We're doing it. Bring them. Bring the kids. Second thing it shows us is how God wants us to approach him like kids. He tells us that in verse 17. I say to you, if you don't receive the kingdom of God like a child, you won't enter. You can't enter analytically, 
quizzically. We have to enter excitedly, joyfully, and faithfully. And, and children teach us a lesson. Most kids uh, don't struggle with cynicism and hard hearts and weird ideas. Ad adults do that. Kids aren't as uptight as you and me are and not as prideful as adults tend to be. That they, they just cut loose. I was thinking about this the other day, that when a school is, is, is um, constructed, they'll put it together with the science building and the math building and the cafeteria, and then every single school has to have an outdoor facility where there's a park and recreation area. You know what I'm saying? When was the last time they built an apartment complex, or should I say an office complex, where they put the merry-go-round, like in the break room? You know what I'm saying? Like For all the office workers, like here's the merry-go-round, and here's the fire pole, because we know you guys want to play. Like, We're not here to play. We're here to do stuff, you know? And, but if there was a merry-go-round in the break room, I would definitely do that, you know? Like, I'm going to spin this thing till you throw up, boss, you know? <laughs> Jesus actually had just got done telling a story about a religious man who was stoic and prideful and a tax collector who was broken. And then this happened right after that. And had the religious guy been more humble, more broken more full of faith and zeal and appreciation, he too would have been saved. And so I believe this happened right after that story because Jesus wants to teach us about his heart and the kingdom of God. You see, children love to come to Jesus. This Pharisee, he didn't want to come to Jesus. Jesus was one who drew people to himself. He wasn't mean or sour or dour. The children loved him. This is important for you and for me who want to make an impact on our kids or on the youth. What, who are you? Are you mean, sour, and dour? Are you full of life and joy and peace? Let's just study this out verse by verse because there are some themes in here I want you to pick up on. Look at verse 15. It says, Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. And then when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. The they could be the moms, the dads, the aunts, the uncles, the grandmas and grandpas all bringing their kids to Jesus. I would say this, that in the Greek, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's in a masculine pronoun term. If you're going to make a conclusion, you would conclude that the they here is actually the dads, which wouldn't have been the norm. It would have been the moms raising the kids normally. Yet in this instance, we see what I would say as biblically accurate, the, the impetus, the importance, the pressure is put upon the dads to bring their kids to Jesus, to bring them nearer to the things of God. Now, this is shared with moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas. I like how it's just they. They brought them to Jesus. Right now, your kids, if you have kids, are here, and you've brought them to Jesus via Sunday school. Good job. This is why we provide Sunday school. It's why we have a full-time staff pastor dedicated to our Sunday school. It's why we spend thousands of dollars per year on Sunday school curriculum. This is why we love Sunday We love it. If it works, we're going to buy it. If it helps, we're going to get it. If, it. if it's awesome, we're going to do it. But this is not the primary place where your kids are going to be brought to Jesus, Sunday school. I need you to hear that. It's not Young Life. It's not Campus Crusade for Christ. It's not youth camp. It's not, it's not Christian school. The primary place where your children, those under you, those who you've been given authority over, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, people, the primary place where they're going to be brought to Jesus is through you. You're the primary vehicle. This is important for you to hear. I love taking my kids to Sunday school, and I love seeing them get blessed and taught, but the primary education, the primary maturation, the primary discipleship has to happen, and I'm not saying it's even happening that great at the Frechette House, but that's why the pill you and I have to swallow right now, that's on me. That's on me. And what we do here is supplemental. As a matter of fact, we were on an RV trip, I think last summer, I can't remember, maybe the summer prior, and we had a lot of downtime, just the family hanging around the fire pit, and, and one night, Acacia kind of got off on this rhythm. We said, hey, somehow it came up where she just started telling Bible stories. So it was kind of fun. She told one really good, accurate, some details that I even had forgotten in the Old Testament. And so we said, hey, tell us all the Bible stories you know. And we were all trying to laugh, you know, hiding our laughs, you know. And, and she started telling one Bible story after another. And she had them all down. I was like, where are you learning all this, you know? And I read her the Bible and all this. She's a Sunday school. You know, I was like, that church is awesome. But this is supplemental, Okay. 
It's not just a responsibility to teach your kids to bathe and to brush their teeth and to eat right and to exercise, do their homework, but, but it is for you. And if you haven't done that right up until this point, okay, today's a good day to repent. Like, okay, I need to do that. I need to figure out some tools to help my kids know Jesus. Jesus said, do not forbid the kids from coming to me. Okay, nobody would forbid on purpose, but what if you haven't set up a system to bring the kids to Jesus, even if it is supplemental like today? What if there is no Bible reading at your house or no prayer time or no conversation? I love Bible reading and prayer time, don't get me wrong, but there's way more conversation that happens at our day that isn't just sit down Bible time and prayer than there is that there is Bible time and prayer. And I try to disciple my kids throughout the day when there are what I call teachable moments. And this is something you can decide to do today with the kids that you've been given authority over. The Bible says here that they brought their kids to Jesus so he would lay hands on them. When was the last time you laid hands on your kids? Let me rephrase that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When was the last time you laid hands on your kids to pronounce blessing on them? We started doing this a while ago, maybe three or four years at our house, and, and what we do every night, we bless our kids. And it was kind of weird getting into it. I said, tonight, we're not going to tuck you in, which I will. I'm not going to say goodnight, which I am. What we're doing now is we're blessing you. We're going to bless you. Mom and dad are going to stand beside each of you, with our hands on you, and we're going to pray for you. We're pronouncing a blessing. We've been doing this for so long now that our kids, when they go to bed, they don't say, come tuck me in. They don't yell that. They don't say, come say goodnight. They yell from upstairs, come bless me. Whether they know the difference or not, I do. And so we go upstairs and we bless them. Now, don't get all weird, okay? The blessing includes tickling and wrestling, okay? Horseplay, cra you know, crazy stuff. It's not all, you know, hyper-religious. We have a blast, okay? We have fun. And sometimes we'll challenge our kids as they get older and as they're in a decent mood. Hey, would you bless me now? I tell my kids every single night when I bless them, I said, now I need you guys while you lay here in bed because I know they pray. I said, while you're laying in bed, I need you to pray for me, I need you to pray for your mom, and you pray for your brother and your sister, I need you to pray for, and we list people that are in need, and it's because I'm teaching them. I know, I remember being a little weird kid laying in bed praying, and, and God speaks to kids, and if you instruct them, say, pray for these people, pray for Grandpa Joe, he rolled his ankle the other day, you know, pray, pray for stuff that people need. Every Saturday night when I tuck him in, I say, guys, you guys are going to be in bed, it's Saturday night, I'm going to be in the other room studying and praying and preparing. I need you to pray for me, and I know they will. They're going to listen to me. I got home from the wedding yesterday about 7 p.m. It was a 5 p.m. wedding, and I got home, and Noah came out of the den. They were watching the show, and he saw me. He's like, hey, Dad, you're home. Hey, how did it go? And I, I was like, wow, dude, thanks for asking. He didn't really care, but, <laughs> but he, maybe he did for a minute. He wanted to get back to his show. He's just using the bathroom. He's like, how did it go? And I said, like, dude, it was actually really good. I appreciate you asking. Because he knows it's a burden that, that, that we bear as a family in the ministry. And again, we make it fun. We have a legit time. But this responsibility. And the, the disciples rebuked him. I think it's interesting. And you could imagine a thousand different reasons why. Uh, primarily because Jesus was busy and probably tired. He was probably tired. Let me ask a question. How many of you parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles or people, you know, relatives? How many of you guys are tired here right now? Like, you can say, yeah, I'm pretty tired. Like, I'm tired, Okay. This is the 9 a.m. crowd. You're like, I've never been tired in my life. You know, <laughs> Morning crew. You know, I'm tired too. I get tired. Jesus was more tired. And you're never too tired to make an opportunity for your kids. Redeeming that time. Matter of fact, I can't remember what day it was. I think it was Thursday. Thursday I got up at 4.45. And I went and trained the 5.30 a.m. CrossFit class, the 6.30 CrossFit class, the 8.30 CrossFit class. And I had some meetings that morning, and, and, and as the day was progressing, I found myself about 11 o'clock, 12.30, I was going home, and I brought lunch home, and, and I told my wife, I said, I need, I need a nap, I need a nap. And it was about 1 o'clock, and I could, I could steal a nap away and still not ruin my night's sleep, and everything, everything was okay. And I was about to go to bed, it was sunny out just like today, and I looked outside to say good, good night to my kids, and my boys were in the cul-de-sac playing football, they were playing catch. And that doesn't happen very often for some reason, they just haven't gotten into football yet, and I just thought, there goes the nap. So I put my shoes on, I ran out there, I said, guys, this is great, let's play football. And we spent an hour playing football, and Acacia came out, and she was watching, and I just taught my kids and my family that night how to play hacky sack. We played hacky sack for an hour the night before, and so I said, let's stop and play hacky sack now. We played, and we, and I was tired, very tired, but it wasn't a struggle during that time with my kids. It was something that I know they'll remember forever and ever and ever, and I was blessed 
the disciples rebuked these parents. Jesus is tired. He can't see them right now. And Jesus said, nope, I will make time for them. Let the children come to me is what he says. Look in verse 15. He says, or verse 16, but Jesus called them to him. This is very important for us to look at. Jesus says, bring them. He even said it this way, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Two things are happening. Number one, he wants the kids to come to him. And I would just say it this way, if our Sunday school is successful, if what we do in bringing kids, if you guys and your, your primary discipleship at home works, okay, if all of that works, if Sunday school works, if camps work, if you guys work, if all that works, the big church, which we put a lot, of, a lot of pressure on, don't we? We put a lot of importance on the big church, the adult church. The adult church and the big church will have no problems whatsoever moving forward if we succeed in Sunday school. Okay, if we succeed in summer camps, if we succeed in parental discipleship, people will come to church. It's not even a big deal. That's where the magic happens. Jesus said, let them come to me. Don't forbid them. How many people don't put as much importance on kids spiritually as Jesus does? Because children love to come to Jesus. We should never block the way or fail to provide them a way. If you haven't bought your kids Bibles yet, do so. Well, they're expensive. Spend the money. What if they don't read it? Read it to them. They can't read yet. They'll learn. Invest in your kids. I love how kids come to Jesus. They just come with simplicity of heart. They respond with love. They respond with joy. And he wants us to have that same mindset when we come to Jesus. We must receive him like a little kid does. I heard an interview with a pastor and his sons and his daughters, and he was asking his kids why they thought that these kids wanted to come to Jesus. And his youngest son said, why did, why did these kids want to come to Jesus? Why was that a good thing? And his youngest son said, because Jesus is fun. And this pastor thought, you know what? I've read a lot of systematic theology. I've read a lot of big books on the attributes of God. And you might have heard terms like omniscient, okay? God is all-knowing. Omnipresent, God is everywhere. Omnipotent, God is all-powerful. But have you ever heard the term omni-fun? To describe God. And the reason you haven't heard that term is because most people who write systematic theological books are white old nerds, okay, who haven't ridden a merry-go-round in too long. Instead, it's not been written by kids who would say, you know what Jesus is? He is fun. He is so fun. And me, we might, oh, well, yeah, you know. Jesus is here teaching right now. He's like, hey, guys, you, you, you're not going to heaven unless you enter in like a kid does. What? That's incredible. That's incredible. We want to double-click on omniscient and omnipresent and omnipowerful. We want to know, what does that mean? And we want to talk about soteriology and the doctrine of salvation and big things and hermeneutics and homiletics and and the, the eschatological instances of our day. And the Lord's like, you know what? We could just play with Plato, too. We could just do fun stuff. You could just let me love you. Love covers a multitude of sins. I think it was John Newton, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. Is that right? John Newton, slave trader. And he was saved out of the slave trading industry. Repented. His, his, he was very low in humility because of all the atrocities that he had done. And he had a theology on children. He, he believed that in heaven there will be more kids in heaven than there will be adults. Now, I believe that there will be a, a semi-equality of age, that there won't be kids and adults. I don't know, but, but, but I understand what he's saying. There will be more people who were saved as kids in heaven than there will be stoic and uptight Pharisees. And this is why Jesus here, just days before he dies, says this is actually important, guys. And I've done vacation Bible school because I had to. I've taught in Sunday school because I had to. And I've reached out to kids and done youth camps because I had to. And I think the Lord would rebuke me and say, you get to do those things. You get to reach out to and pour into some of the most tender people on the entire face of the universe. The ones that his eye is ever watchful on. Kids respond with soft hearts. 
Jesus wants us to become like little children. Studies show that 85% of people who are believers became believers under the age of 14. Matter of fact, let's just see if that's true. Raise your hand. I'm going to also. I got saved at age 8. Raise your hand if you got saved below the age of 14. Put it nice and high. Nice and high. Below the age of 14. Okay, put your hands down. Studies, when interviewed, say that people from ages 15 to 30, okay, after that age of 14 and before age 30, 10% of people got saved. If you got saved after 14 and before 30, raise your hand, okay? 10, 10% of people. Studies go on to say that everyone over 30, of all those who are saved, only 4% after 30 have a chance of getting saved, okay? Now, there's a lot of people here. I think South Beach has something going on. Raise your hand if you got saved after 30, okay? Now, let's just think about that. We love adult ministry. We love reaching out to adults. We love serving our adults. We target adults. We, we teach adults, and we should, but I think there's, there needs to be a, a shift in our mind of how you and I look at those kids in grocery stores or at the schools. This is why we do Send Back Sunday. This is why we do see you at the poll. This is why we employ youth pastors professionally and why I ask them, did you go to the football game on Friday night? If you didn't, why not? Go. Get involved. This is why we've hosted the Toledo Prom here. That's why we've hosted the Newport Prom here. Crazy things. Should we even do that? I don't know. Was that a good decision? I'm not sure. There were kids involved, so we did it. I got saved as a young... My wife uh, accepted Jesus Christ in her heart, age three. Three years old, her mom led her to the Lord. And what happens is the older you become, the harder your heart gets. And when you're established as a young person, as a believer, it changes who you are as an adult, doesn't it? When Paul wrote to Timothy, Timotheus, in 2 Timothy... He referenced Timothy's mom and his grandma, and he said, the faith that was in your mom and your grandma, which I now know is in you, is noteworthy. And if you guys know Timothy's story, he lived in Derby and Lystra, and Paul on his first missionary journey went there, and he actually got stoned to death. Paul got beat up and died. Timothy, young Timothy, saw that, and he heard the gospel, and Paul left, and he was gone for three years, and Paul came back the second time, and there was a noteworthy man named Timothy who had a grandma and a mom who poured into him. And made that young pastor, Timothy. His life was changed as a young person. And Jesus, he wants us to have that same faith now as adults. Not a childish faith, but a childlike faith. That we would receive with faith and joy. Because kids have tremendous faith, don't they? My, my kids don't wake up every morning wondering if there's going to be food on, on the table. They just know it's going to be there. They don't fret or stress about the mortgage payments. They don't wonder if that's going to happen. They have faith. They have faith that Father will take care of it. They sleep good at night. You ever watch your kids sleep at night? They are so wild. All over the place, blankets wrapped around their heads and upside down. And, you know, you know. Why, how do they sleep so much, you know? Because they're not worried about anything. They're not worried. They have great faith. They don't wake up in the morning and check the bank accounts or the insurance policies, you know, and, they just have faith that all that's being taken care of. Kids, as a matter of fact, would rather enjoy things than explain things. You ever sat down with something brand new and you're trying to explain it to the kids, like a toy or something or some craft? Let me read the instructions to you and explain how this works. Blah, you know, worst thing in the world. I don't care how it works. I just want to enjoy it. And as adults, God declares how something works, and we're like, well, explain it to me. Explain it to me. It's been an hour and a half and 10 days and five years, you know, figure out how this works. God's like, I love you. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Explain it. You know, when did that happen? Kids just want to enjoy stuff. They just really receive it. Wouldn't it be nuts if you just started reading the Psalms this week, just receiving the blessings and the prayers, and just started reading the Proverbs, and just started, instead of, you know, ask, well, I'm not sure, but I don't underline that in pencil. I don't know how that works, you know. Just say, okay, okay. I believe, I remember I was so naive in my faith when I started reading the Bible, and, but I believed everything I read. And when I was about 19 years old, I read the book of Revelation for the very first time. And when I read the book of Revelation for the very first time at age 19, I got to the part where a, a, a beast comes out of the sea with seven heads and ten horns and all that, and I closed my Bible. 
not knowing it was typology, that it was speaking of symbols of nations coming out of the, the, the world with kingdoms as king. You know, I thought for real that there was a beast in the ocean that was going to come out with seven heads and ten horns. And, all. and, I, and you know what I said to the Lord? I was like, I believe it. <laughs> I, I and I said, Lord, you know what? Jacques Cousteau d- couldn't find it. And that's, I'm pretty impressed because he looked for everything. And I, was just, I, just, I worshiped the Lord. I said, all right. All right, I'll believe it. I don't know how you're going to pull that off, but I am down. I am ready. And I believe the Lord is honored in that childlike faith. <laughs> just keep reading. Just keep reading. And, and here's what I would say. Is that if you have an opportunity to love your kids, maybe you don't have kids today. There are kids around you. There's nieces and nephews. You might be single here. Maybe you have uh, a pain in your story, maybe there's infertility issues, or maybe you've had a miscarriage. My wife and I have suffered through a miscarriage. We know loss. But there are people you can coach, you can, you can teach Sunday school, you can, you can volunteer at the school, or you can, if nothing else, have an appreciation for young people and advocate for those who can't advocate for themselves. I would say this, though. There's an argument between quality and quantity of time we spend with our young people, and I would think most of us would think, well, quality time, quality time. Here's the deal. When you have little kids, you can't fabricate quality time, okay? If I told my seven-year-old daughter, we're going to have a real serious conversation, real quality stuff, about 1230 in the afternoon, so be ready. Don't be, bring your fudge sickle. You know, it's going to be serious stuff. It's not going to happen. But if I decide to spend quantity time with my kids, quality time will show up throughout that quantity time. The more time you spend with the people that God has given to you to love, there will be quality time and quantity time. And not just the fun stuff, but serious issues too. Your kids need you to walk with them through this life. Life's crazy. You guys realize that, right? Jesus was living in the days of Rome. He knew the destruction of Jerusalem was coming. Those kids would be adults when Jerusalem was destroyed 40 years later. And Jesus said, I need to love on them now. It's going to be hard for them. And so he said, come on, kids. Let me illustrate the love of Jesus. So when Rome destroys Jerusalem and you die and see your families pillaged in the chaos of life, you know my father's love. How many of you guys try and prepare your kids to avoid pitfalls and destruction and pain? I do. Your kids are going to experience pitfalls, pain, and destruction. And as a parent, you can't be an ostrich with your head in the sand. Serious issues need to be discussed with your kids so they know how to navigate through life. I love playing football, teaching my kids how to open up their shoulders, how to follow through, all the stuff I learned from Eddie Townsend because I actually can't throw a football. Don't tell my kids I can't throw a football, but I still don't know how. But there's more important stuff. Also, I remember, uh, I think it was earlier this year, Noah and Nemo and I were driving uh, from the church to home, and Noah asked about the Spice Adult Store and what goes on there. He said, hey, Dad, what do they do at that store? I said, are you, is this a setup, man? You trying to, you know, <laughs> mom, mom tell you to ask me that? What's going on here, you know? I had no idea. I have, I have never been in there, okay, just so you know. And so what I did was, I actually got excited. I was like, oh, cool. So I turned the music off. I was like, oh. I said, that store right there sells magazines and videos of people not wearing all their clothes. That's what, that's what they're doing there. And I gave them the, the technical term for it. I said, it's called pornography. And I said, and there's, there's, within our culture, there's a desire for, to look at other people without their clothes on, and that's what they're doing there. But the Bible says that that's only to be done with the spouse that God gives to you, and it's actually a beautiful thing. It's something that you're supposed to enjoy. And so what they're doing there, and I just gave them this teachable moment on how that looks. I could have said, oh, I don't know, turn the music up, you know, and hope they make it over the rapids without their dad. <laughs> then I went on a step further. I said, here's what's going to happen, boys. And they're checked out now. I'm explaining too much. They're listening to something else. I was like, I was like no, no, come back, come back. And I'm driving. I said, here's what's going to happen, boys. I said, one of your friends one of these days is going to pull his phone out of his pocket and say, look at these pictures. It's going to happen. You're going to crawl under your friend's bed at their house, and you're going to be exposed to one of these magazines, like I was at age eight. It's going to happen. I said, and you're going to find something in the trash can or the recycle center, like it happened to me at age 11. It's going to happen. 
I said, boys, I want you to know something. When that happens, you're not in trouble. I said, I'm on your team. I said, I'll help you. I'll help you get through this. This is what's going to happen in our day. It's not going to get any better. It's going to get crazier. And I want my kids to know what the heck is going on and where to go when they find themselves troubled and destroyed and picked off by the devil. Have these conversations with your kids. Walk with them through so that way they know. And the biggest thing I can say, not so they can avoid it in totality because it's not going to happen, but so they can know that they can go to you, mom or dad, grandma, grandpa, that they can go to you and find the ability to navigate through it. They can find grace and mercy in your eyes. That it won't just be a heavy hand, but instead it'll be an understanding reality. Walk with them through this. Prepare them. Teach them. This is an opportunity. Jesus says, don't forbid the kids from coming to me. And this is in all ways of life. Bring your kids to Jesus in the way that they look at finances, the way they look at careers, the way they look at the opposite sex, the way they look at themselves. All of that comes back to Jesus and how he loves them. Now, I say all that to say my kids are still young. They're still thirsty for more. I've done quite a bit. I've, I've been able to teach my kids a lot of stuff. We've gone to the shooting range, and we've shot guns, and I've taught them about guns and rights, and I've taught them about danger and anger and things that happen and devastation, and they know that argument that people are just deciding to go to one side or the other extremes. I've taught them, no, that's not what we do. We find the road of normalcy. I've been able to take my kids on trips outside of the country. We've got passports. I've been taking them all over. We've done things by the help of some generous people in this church action. I've been able to give my kids what I would say is a great life up until this point. I'm kind of tired. And I look at them, and I don't want to check out now and stop pouring into them now that they can dress themselves and put their own shoes on. By the way, you who still have kids in diapers and babies and stuff, it gets better. Just hang on. They'll dress themselves one day. It'll be a minor miracle. They'll be inside out with fudge sickles everywhere, but it'll, they'll still dress themselves. This might be a painful teaching for some. Okay, I understand. This might be an encouraging sermon for others. Let me just summarize with the two points that I think are so evident here. Number one, we need to teach children. Jesus said, yeah, bring them. He's teaching Pharisees. He's teaching sinners. He's healing lepers. He's about to save the whole world. He does his own vacation Bible school in the midst of that. Bring the kids. This is very important. I'm going to pour into some kids right now. Okay? Ask the Holy Spirit to give you creativity how that looks in your life. Maybe that just means you support the, the Sunday school programs here at South Beach Church. Maybe it means you volunteer here. Maybe you find a good news club that's going into the schools and teaching the gospel here in Lincoln County. It's happening. Maybe it means you pray for your own older kids that have grandkids. Now, your grandkids, and you just love on them and pray for them and buy them Bibles, do stuff, whatever it is. Maybe it's just that you open up your crusty heart and say, Lord, would you break my heart for the kids? Teach somebody. Okay, pour into your kids. If you do have the blessing, the privilege of children, continue to give them quality time as you intend to give them quantity time. And the second thing, and the last thing I would say is this. Not only do we need to teach children, we need to learn from children. Children just believe their dads no matter what their dads say. Hey, dads, have you ever told your kids crazy stuff and they believe you? You know what I'm saying? Like, just crazy stuff. Like, there's monsters in there. Don't open that. Oh, okay, you know. And like, there's no monsters in there, you know. And, and imaginations are fun. And you can, you know. Your kids will believe whatever you say. God wants us to have the same attribute of trust towards what he has said. Do you want to be, be pleasing to the Lord? I want to be pleasing to the Lord. And he says, I want you to approach me like a little kid does. And you and I get all smarty pants and we want to explain things and double click on the Greek and the Hebrew. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but do it with a childlike heart. Number two, children. Children can't even provide for themselves. Did you know that my kids don't make any money right now? Okay, zero dollars. When they make any money at all, it's my money that they made, so it doesn't even count, you know. It's like, hey, Dad, I mowed the lawn. Give me 50 cents, you know. I'm like, what, you know. Give you, tw give you 25 cents, you know. <laughs> kind of cheap still. And I think we should look to God to provide for us as well. We're so proud of ourselves and what we could accomplish, but it's all coming from the Lord anyways. Children can't protect themselves either. They can't provide or protect for themselves. My seven-year-old daughter can't protect herself, and it's my joy to protect her. It's my joy to provide for her. 
And we get so stoic. i got to protect myself. i got to provide for myself. And we get distance from the Father's love. And I believe that is offensive. You might not be living in sin or doing crazy stuff, but if you're not near to the Father, his broken heart. Let him protect you. Let him provide for you. Return. Just enjoy Jesus again. Get in the word and don't be so critical and stoic. And Children also, and I'm almost done, they have direct access to their dads. They can march right in and get FaceTime with them. This is a big church, isn't it? Every single Sunday that my kids are here after Sunday school, it doesn't matter who I'm talking to or who's crying. I could be crying. That person's crying. My kids, they don't know any better yet. They'll just walk right up and look at me and say, Dad, it's me, your kid, you know. I'm like, hey, there you are. There's my kid. I'm doing stuff. And I have to be very careful because I don't want them to get the wrong idea that, that somebody else or this is more important than them. And there's timing. I understand that. But my kids believe that they can get my attention any time of the day. I like that. How do you pray? Well, I got I to gotta do some cool stuff first before God will give me his attention. God's not really proud of me right now. He's not really into me right now. I haven't been very good. Approach your father like your kids would approach you. Final thought is this. Children, my children, your children, they carry our, our, our family name. Okay, my kids are for shets. Matter of fact, when I'm coaching... Uh, and my boys are out there, or even my daughter, I'll yell my last name, hey, Frechette! Whoop, you know, because there's not many Frechettes out there. There's only a couple. And they know who they, you know, they're, they're Frechettes. You and I, we carry the family name of Christians. We're Christians, okay? We're children of God. And we have that as our legacy, our lineage, our, our privilege. Part of a bigger family. I'm going to have the worship team come up and lead us in a closing song. And let me just say this. If you would repent this morning of your sins and give your life to Jesus, you too can be adopted into his family and you can have his last name. You can be part of who he is and what he's doing and everything can be changed for you and God will have that purpose. And maybe there's a few people, the nine name, it's, it's tough to tell, a few people here that you're not a child of God. You're not. And yet the Lord would look out at this crowd this morning and he would say, hey, you're welcome in. I can cleanse you of your sins. I can make a place for you. And maybe you're already a child of God. Maybe you have had your sins forgiven, but you haven't been close to the Father. Just like some of you are estranged from your earthly dads or moms. I guarantee you in a crowd this size, there is pain between your earthly moms and earthly dads. Do not associate that same dysfunction and pain and abuse and relationship horizontally as it is vertically. Your father has made a way for you to adopt you, to make you his own. I'm going to have you guys bow your heads and close your eyes as we prepare to take communion this morning and celebrate who God is to us and who he's made us to be. Lord, we thank you for the father's heart that you indeed love kids. Lord, that you made kids. It's not even, kids aren't even just a byproduct or a, a freak accident. You made kids on purpose. You made them little babies, little helpless babies. And we have to teach them everything. We have to take care of them and feed them and for years and years and years. And there's so many different seasons, Lord, of a child's life. You made all that. You created that. Every, every moment is precious. And Lord, there isn't a time when those kids become adults and cynical, hard-hearted, wounded, where you look at them any different. You look at them as your kids still. And if you're here this morning and you honestly have a, a problem between you and your father in heaven, you know that there's a, a problem. You don't, maybe don't know what it is, but you're, just, you're not close to him. You're not connected. You wouldn't feel comfortable just crawling up on his lap right now and letting him reach out and bless you you, you wouldn't do that because it just doesn't seem right or you don't deserve it or and you, you don't know what's wrong but, but you want that if you want that simple faith if you want that great joy and great love to be yours would you just right now would you humble yourself and raise your hand maybe for the first time to get saved maybe you've been saved but you're just too cool for school your devotional time is dry and boring your prayer time is stoic and stale or my hand is up too raise your hand up if you need the Lord's joy you want his joy to sing over you or would you sing over us
We're your kids. Lord, we could imagine an earthly father just brooding over his kids, just saying, oh, look at my kids. These are my kids. I'm so proud of them. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless those whose hands are up, who want that father's love, Lord. Restore the joy of our salvation. Take not your Holy Spirit from us, Lord. Help us to walk with you closer, Lord, in our reading time, our singing time, our journaling time, our, our working time. Everything we do, Lord, forgive us. You put your hands down. Lord, forgive us and follow fresh on us, even as we come to the table now and remind ourselves that your broken body, your spilled blood, pays for our sins and makes us new. Just like Naaman, when he got in that water seven times, the Bible says he came out with the skin of a baby. Maybe your big hesitation here this morning is you have been a rebellious kid. How could the Lord love you with what you've done? He loves you just the same. And as you repent, which means to walk differently, as you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your Father in heaven adopts you into his home. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We trust you, Lord, for this process. Help us, Lord, now as we take communion to celebrate what you've done, Lord, to anticipate where we're going. We do what we do now in Jesus' name. Amen.